Welcome to the Fantasy Affair. What's up? Welcome in my fantasy affairians to another fabulous episode of the Fantasy Football Affairs Podcast. I'm your host at Eric Burkholder 6, joined as always by Bradley Stickler. You can find him on uh, Twitter at FFBourbonDude. Uh, we just wrapped up a couple divisions. We're going to take a detour. We're going to break down cornerstone, cornerstone rankings with our one and only Garrett Vienna at FFGoldmine on Twitter. He's the writer of the Ride or Die series. He does a lot of analytics for us. He's a rising star, well worth the follow. How's it going, Garrett? I appreciate that. Welcome. Happy to be here, boys. Looking forward to the mock draft. It's going to be a hell of a mock. It's going to be a hell of a mock. Brad, how you doing? How you feeling about how your mock went? Oh, I'm excited, man. I got a lot of my favorite guys. I'm sipping on some Elijah Craig Toasted Barrels, sitting next to a, one of my best buds, hanging out in a hotel conference room right now. I'm hoping I'm not echoing too much, and I hope I don't slur my words, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> What's new? For those that don't know, his favorite bud is right there, Andrew Jacques at McLovin, FF Affair. He will be on Monday. Say what's up, Andy. Hi. <laughs> yeah, they just they just made out for a second. Uh, let's jump right into it here, right? So we did a random draw that wasn't so random because I just gave it out. Garrett, as the guest, takes the first spot, followed by Brad, then myself. We're going to go through two rounds. We're going to keep it fairly short on the explanation, but really give you a view of where we stand picking best player available. Now, all of these rankings are on the website, fffair.com. Click under the rankings tab right there, cornerstone rankings broken down by position and soon to be broken down by top. Uh, 50 150 how are we breaking that down garrett i think we're doing 50 just keeping it nice okay, and top 50, top 50 so for reference on anything and everything you hear on this podcast as always check out the website www.fffaffair.com uh, and don't forget to post some listener questions right there at the bottom of the home screen we love getting those uh, we actually just had a new member of the staff we, he will be introduced shortly as he has dropped his first article already uh garrett kick us off here man super flex tight end premium Who's your number right, one pick? It's pretty easy here. Pretty simple. It's Kyler Murray for me. He is my quarterback too in all of Dynasty. So it's pretty easy selection out of the 2019, 2020, and 2021 classes. True dual threat, high floor, high ceiling on a weekly basis. And he's one of the most coveted assets in Dynasty football. Yeah, Kyler Murray was the quarterback one through much of last season before he was derailed due to a shoulder injury. Now, he still played every game, every snap, and was productive, but does his size worry you at all, Garrett? Does, does his ability to hold up over time worry you at all? That's the one thing that I do want to see uh, next year is just him staying healthy for a full slate of games, which, unless I'm mistaken, I don't think he has done so far in his two-year career. So that's something that I want to see. The durability does concern me a little bit, but the, the talent and the production is just too great to pass up right here. No doubt. Up next, we got Bradley Stickler. You got a comment on Kyler? I was just going to say, I mean, the guy's 5'10", 207. That's, that's running back type size. It's not like he's a small guy. So even if he takes a shot, he's – one, I don't think he's going to take a shot because he's so squirrely, but he's got the size to take some of those hits. So I don't know that you should really be too worried about that kind of thing with him. I think anytime you have a mobile quarterback that has rushes drawn up for him three, four, five, six times in a game, it's always kind of a concern. I mean, even Ben Roethlisberger, who's giant, can get lit up all the time. It's still going to take its toll. So uh, I will agree he's not so much a Lamar Jackson where you think one, one hit will totally change his game because he can't pass from the pocket. But it is something to know. Uh, but, yeah, he's one-on-one. I don't think anybody's going to disagree. Who we got next, Brad? At the yeah, look, I'm, I'm going with – with my guy, Justin Herbert, another quarterback off the board at 102, a guy who set rookie records, went 4,300 yards, 31 touchdowns, didn't turn the ball over a lot. And he has not a rushing floor, but he's got some mobility to him. He gave you five rushing touchdowns in his rookie season. This guy, like I said, 4,300 yards in 15 games. He had eight games over 300 yards, which I talked a little bit about 300-yard games and guys in the top five. So that's something I look at. How often are they? 
stay throwing for that yardage. I think the one concern we got to think about is the offensive change, the philosophy change. What is Joe Lombardi going to do with that offense? And are they going to try to let Justin Herbert air it out? Or are they going to try to reel him in a little bit? But either way, I love the arm talent of the guy. He's got a good head on his shoulders and he proved that he can be a solid top 10 quarterback because he was in leagues as a rookie last year. Yeah, man, that's well said. Th that's really the only concern, the loss of Anthony Lynn. Uh, but they do it. Look, they got a great team. They got a great team. They got a great coach. They got a great coordinator coming out of New Orleans, and he has weapons. Uh, Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams is still there as a threat. Uh, the tight end position, they had Jared Cooks. So you expect them to address that later on. Parham may or may not be a thing. They did draft a rookie this year, but Justin Herbert's tough to deny at the two spot, right, Garrett? I mean, the kid did just set records as a rookie after getting thrust in the lineup week two against Kansas City Chiefs. Absolutely, man. He's a stud. The only concern I have is he's learning a new offense, like you guys mentioned, but that's a short-term thing. Long-term, he is the definition of a cornerstone at the quarterback position. Yeah, I am concerned about sophomore slump, but these are cornerstones. This is 2019, 20, and 21. It's tough to deny him. After Kyler, it's a debate, but it's tough to deny Justin Herbert. I went with the last quarterback, I think, uh, is undeniable when Trevor Lawrence throws for more than 10,000 yards and 90 touchdowns at Clemson in three years. Uh, he's supposed to be the prodigal son. He's done nothing to disappoint. I mean, he, he always takes his team to the playoffs and he always puts up a good fight and he does nothing but nothing but gold, man. He gets drafted number one overall. The concerns I have are not so much the, the weapons with DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault. They got two great running backs in ETN and James Robinson. Uh, Marvin Jones, don't sleep on that. It's more so how Urban Meyer is going to try and attack the NFL. Now, we saw Chip Kelly come from uh, the college ranks and take over the Eagles. He was successful for a couple of years until they caught up. I don't know how you can ruin Trevor Lawrence, though. I don't know. But if a man can find it, it'll be Urban Meyer. But all he does is win. So it's going to be interesting, but there's no way I don't take Trevor Lawrence over the rest of the board. You guys got anything for me? Nope. That's a good nope. pick right there. Can't argue it. It's disgusting. We need more friction. <laughs> uh, up next at the 104, Garrett Vienna takes off, takes the first wide receiver off the board. Talk to us about your guy. Yeah, a little bit of a hot take right here. I'm sure most people would have Jonathan Taylor or maybe another quarterback at this spot, but I'm going A.J. Brown because he's just the no-doubter for me. He's my wide receiver one in all of Dynasty. I'm very high on him. He did nothing but put up over a thousand yards and at least eight touchdowns in both of his uh, first two seasons. And last year he ranked number two in fantasy points per route run. He's extremely efficient and there should be a volume increase this year in Tennessee with the lack of weapons around him. Yeah. Tennessee does have 224 targets open up this year uh, with the loss of Corey Davis and Johnny Smith, among others. Now, they do add Reynolds and Des Fitzpatrick, but nobody's really a threat here. We, we see that Derrick Henry is aging. I mean, everything points to A.J. Brown having the ability to finish number one with the touchdowns, the yards after catch. Uh, if he gets north of 150 targets, it's going to be tough to hold him out, period. I mean, we all remember the play where he drags three guys across the end zone. Uh, Brad, you got anything about A.J. Brown and then roll into your next pick? No, yeah, I was a little sad I guess that I didn't get AJ Brown at 105 because I was I'm super high on him as well I think the guy does everything so I, I love the pick of AJ Brown but I I got lucky also because I sat at 105 and got to follow that up with DK Metcalf wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks a guy who you saw flash in his rookie season and he turns around I had some concerns at the end of that season guy had eight games with three or fewer receptions he put up the numbers that you were hoping for because of those long touchdowns right now you look at 2020 he only had four games of three or fewer receptions he's put up double digit touchdowns he was the wide receiver seven on the back of 129 targets. So I look for those targets to continue to stay in that realm. I don't know that they're going to increase because of the re-signing of Chris Carson, some of the conversation around trying to get back to that run first offense. But if you're going to take targets away, you ain't taking them away from DK Metcalf. So I still see him in that 125 to 135 target range. And if he can continue to put up 12 or 1300 yards and double digit touchdowns, he's only 23 years old. 
and he's tied to Russell Wilson. So you're going to see top 10 finishes from him for the foreseeable future. Yeah, you think you were sad because A.J. Brown was right in front of you, and I had to watch the two guys that were next on my list go bang, bang. Um, so it's been a pretty good mock. Garrett, do you think D.K. is is close to A.J. in your book, or do you think it's a, it's a distant second? Or third. Oh, yeah, you, you can't say that there's a huge gap between those two guys. They're both extremely dominant, physical freaks. Both went to Ole Miss, obviously. I mean, I'd be, I'd love to have either of those guys on my, on my dynasty squad. No doubt, man. I, I, I'm very pleased to say I was a little bit ahead of the curve with DK. It was kind of a cop out because I, I, it was between him and Paris Campbell when I looked at him on film. I'm like, this guy is untouchable. He's unguardable. He's going to be a problem. He's going to be a problem physically. Uh, mm -hmm. And you put a work ethic behind it. And it looks like Russell Wilson has made him believe in himself like Russ believes in DK. And so that's a beautiful pairing. Hopefully it goes on for a long time. If Russ leaves town, then conversations change, right? Uh, I am next up at the 106, and I did not take Jonathan Taylor or Justin Jefferson. There may be a bit of regret in me, but I have a, um, I have a bit of a philosophy where I build off of people that I think can play for a long time. And being the number three pick, going to Kyle Shanahan, um, giving up three firsts and a third to get their guy, Trey Lance, I think it's undeniable that he's going to have success in the NFL for a very, very long time. He's physically gifted. He's big, strong, fast. Yeah, so Trey Lance, though, for the San Francisco 49ers, um, we saw him in college put up uh, just ungodly numbers, passing. He had 65% he had completion percentage for about 29, 47, so almost, almost 3,000 yards. And he throws for a combined 30 touchdowns with just the one pick in an exhibition game. He also runs for 1,100 yards. And, and I've heard reports that Kyle Shanahan started drawing up plays for Trey Lance after week 16. So he was already on the radar. So this move to move up and get his guy uh, is, is not surprising. It's not original. It was a shocker to the NFL. And I would be very proud to build my team with the cornerstone that is Trey Lance in that user-friendly offense with those physical skills. I mean, he looks like Josh Allen and Cam Newton had a baby and he plays for Kyle Shanahan. So I know it's not one of the skill position guys, but building for longevity, I'm happy to get Trey Lance. What are your guys' thoughts on that? It's high. I think it's high. There's a lot of guys that I see down here that I would rather have over Trey Lance, whether it be a Justin Jefferson, some of these running backs, right? We're taking this guy who has one season of kind of, you know, I don't, not subpar production, but eh passing production uh, I understand the guy had 40 some odd total touchdowns but he only threw for 28 touchdowns like 20 2800 yards that's that's not something I'm looking at right now so when I've got guys like CD Lamb still on the board I'm looking at some of these guys that I have seen in the NFL and that I know are going to produce and take that step forward right now yeah man I mean when I was looking at Lance coming out before we had landing spots he was one of those guys I think had maybe the highest ceiling out of any of the quarterbacks in the draft, but he also had a very low floor and I could see him busting, but just landing in that offense with Kyle Shanahan, I just, I can't see him failing. And I think it's a good pick. Yeah. We saw clearly Jimmy Garoppolo was a winner. Okay. He was a winner. So that's going to work out almost anywhere he goes to an extent. We saw Nick Mullins, be a viable starter for that offense. You give a guy that's this size of speed and athleticism uh, who didn't throw an interception in his first full start. Now they play at North Dakota state, but that also kind of works in his favor as they run a pro style West coast offense where they give multiple plays at the line of scrimmage. They have what they call maybe plays or kill plays so that he could change it at the line of scrimmage. And he has to identify the, the pass protection and the coverage and call the play in a very pro style offense. So I think that works in his favor when he will start is up in the air. Cause I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a fantastic quarterback. It's going to be tough to take that from him, but knowing Kyle, Kyle wants to win. He wants to win right now today. Uh, we see how he uses his running backs. We see how Devo took over and then how took over after that. If you're ready to play on Sunday, you will be the starter. So uh, Garrett, you're up next, man. All right, before I go to my next pick, I think it is worth mentioning that I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have a chip on his shoulder. He's not the best fantasy quarterback in the world, but I, I can see him having a successful season this year and getting a starting job going forward somewhere else. So I think he might be a sneaky little buy because his value is so, so low right now. 
Yeah, it is conceivable he holds it the whole year, right? We saw this with Alex Smith when they dressed Mahomes. We saw it last year with Derek Carr when they brought in Mariota. We see it time and time again where the vet digs his heels in. I mean, we just saw Aaron Rodgers after the Jordan Love, after the Jordan Love pick, he goes MVP with 48 touchdowns. So there is something to be said. That's a great point. For sure, for sure. At, at the 107, Jonathan Taylor, I did not think he was going to be there for me, so I'm pretty ecstatic that he was. A lot of people have him either RB1 or RB2 in Dynasty. I have him at RB3 behind CMC and Saquon, but you can go either way with Saquon and Jonathan Taylor, I think. The guy is running behind one of the best offensive lines in football. The only part of his game that I would like to see improve over time is the pass catching, obviously, but he's extremely efficient. He had, I think, the number two big run rate in the NFL. So just that size and speed combo, he's a he's a walking touchdown, man. Yeah, he is. And, and we all saw the week 17 where he blew up for a couple hundred yards. Uh, one of my favorite things, Scout and Jonathan Taylor coming out, because I was a little bit torn about him and DeAndre Swift, pre-landing spot, even post-landing spot, to be honest with you. Uh, Jonathan Taylor was breaking down a play where he caught a ball at about the five and, and took it in the end zone. So it was one of his few receptions. And the way he was breaking it down was he was running to a specific spot on the field to move the linebacker over to him to open up space behind him. And that is next level route running. Uh, the linebacker did not move. He got the ball in his hands and then did what he does. So um, are, is there any concern about building around a running back as your cornerstone knowing the perceived short window or is Jonathan Taylor just that special? Man, there is a little bit of a concern, but you got to play someone at your running back spots, right? And running back is a scarce position. And it's one of the positions that if you want to win, you got to have some very solid RB ones on your team, at least one of those guys. And the way I like to build my dynasty teams is build around those young running backs with a longer shelf life than the older ones. So, yeah, I think Jonathan Taylor is a cornerstone. No doubt, man. I think almost everyone in the world is going to agree with you. Uh, you. You can go get the vets cheap, right? There's a reason they're cheap. There's a reason they're cheap and why Jonathan Taylor has an astronomical price tag. Uh, Bradley's up at the, 109, at the 108. Who you got, Brad? Yeah, I'm pretty excited about this as well, right? I get the opportunity to take another young second-year quarterback in Joe Burrow who lit the world on fire in college, came into a, a pretty subpar offense in Cincinnati and put together uh, – he was QB 15 in points per game in the first eight, eight weeks of the season. A lot of concern around his offensive line. So we think – you know, we go back and look at our pre-draft discussions. We think they're taking Penny Sewell, and they go and they draft Jamar Chase – there's no way that team does not continue to try to throw the ball close to or more than 600 times a season. Not to mention the fact they get Jonah Williams back from injury. They sign Riley Reef off of the Washington football team, uh, who is a very good offensive lineman. So I look at a, a team that even though they didn't address offensive line the way that we thought they were, they they still addressed it by getting a guy back in Jonah Williams off of injury and bringing in a free agent guard. So I, I really think he's still going to have the opportunity to throw a little bit longer than he did last year and all the sacks that he was taking at the beginning of the season. And he adds a weapon in, in Jamar Chase. And if, if you want to dig a little bit, they brought in Thaddeus Moss, who was a familiar target to him from LSU as well. So it, it's going to be very interesting to see that offense and I think he if he continues to build and gets over this knee injury he's he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in that offense throwing the ball as much as they do yeah weapons 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 and when you're looking in the short term if he can stay healthy I don't know how he's not top 10 I mean they like to throw the ball more than 40 times a game that's just point blank and he's got people to put the ball on they don't play a ton of defense they did down the stretch which was surprising um but they're going to have to catch up. They're going to put it, the ball uh, in his hands to go and win the game. Uh, but his knee did take the ultimate L, man. Everything that ends with an L in that knee got blown out. If he has time, he's going to be fantastic. Garrett, is there anything that concerns you about Joe Burrow? No, man, that, that's the one thing with me is his health. And the offensive line is not that improved. I don't know what kind of free agency signings they made. I didn't keep up with that one too closely. But I know they didn't draft any you know, really good prospects on the offensive line. So that's something that I would, I would be a little concerned about, especially with that knee injury is how, just how good is his longevity going to be? 
Yeah, you're hoping for 10 years out of Joe. That's what you're hoping for. Uh, he's set up for success, and he's proven he belongs in the NFL. So um, we just hope that then he holds up. Now we see Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady all play with giant knee braces. They've been playing for years. It's not the end of the world. It is semi-concerning. I'm, I'm up next here at the 109. I think I got to steal the, steal the draft here. Uh, we got Justin Jefferson going at the nine spot. Justin Jefferson finishes sixth overall ahead of DK, ahead of A.J. Brown, who are already gone. Um, this guy was just fantastic. It's setting records all over the place. In 14 starts, 16 games, 14 starts, he has 125 targets. That's about the same as DK. Um, he gets 1,400 yards on 88 catches, and he only scores – seven touchdowns so you put those touchdowns in the double digits i mean he's already a, he's top six he's the sixth wide receiver as a rookie with an aging adam thielen uh they like to ground and pound there with that uh delvin cook but we know that it really only goes to three people on that offense hopefully four hopefully irv smith gets a little bit extra but it's delvin cook adam thielen in the red zone justin jefferson everywhere else uh, and I don't think Adam Thielen's going to get 100 targets and turn him into 14 touchdowns again. Those touchdowns have to go somewhere. So I am just pumped about Justin Jefferson at the nine spot. He is the definition to me outside of outside of a quarterback of a cornerstone because you're hoping for six, seven, eight years of top, you know, top 10 production. And he gave it to you out the gate. Reminds me a little bit of Randy Moss. He's fantastic. I'm not going to get into comps. I think his his play on the field speaks volumes Kirk Cousins is respectable to say the least and there's an aging weapon on the other side I don't see how Justin Jefferson doesn't repeat or improve on last season which is insane because he had 1400 yards what are your guys thoughts that's what I was going to ask is just the expectations being so high you see him actually improving on those numbers from last year I think he's, he's going to get more targets. He's going to get more receptions. So maybe he doesn't have 1,400 yards. Maybe it's 1,250. But instead of seven touchdowns, he gets 11, add another 25 catches. I mean, I just see his number being right there. I think he's a top 10 guy. I think he's a top 10 guy. And the circumstances have improved. They have not deteriorated. Um, there's really no question marks out there in Minnesota. They don't play a ton of D. They're really young. They play in a terrible conference they play the Packers who may be without Aaron Rodgers they play the Lions and they play the Chicago Bears who are stout against the run but have shaky corners and we just watched Justin Jefferson torch the league so I'm pumped to get him at nine yeah yeah I wonder about Kyle Rudolph being gone moves Irv Smith into the conversation so what do they do with Irv Smith does he eat some of those red zone targets does Adam Thielen continue to see those red zone targets and if they do and Irv Smith also starts to see some I don't know that Justin Jefferson could see double digit touchdowns at that point so I I mean I, I can't argue with the talent the guy's a monster he's an absolute monster so it's not outside the realm of possibility by any shape of the imagination that he sees those double digit touchdowns I just wonder about how Irv Smith is now going to fit into that situation all right man coming up here on the 10 spot we've gone through Kyler Murray Justin Herbert Trevor Lawrence Joe Burrow and Trey Lance at quarterback. Wide receivers are A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, and D.K. Metcalf. Jonathan Taylor is the only running back taken so far. That trend may be bucked. Garrett, who you got at 110? Yeah, I'm going to make it two here at 110. And DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor are extremely close for me in my rankings. I think Swift is an exceptional talent. He's definitely a different talent than Jonathan Taylor. He's not the powerhouse, and he may not be – the big play threat that Jonathan Taylor is, but he's much more smooth in the passing game. He's very elusive in the open field. The guy can make a lot happen. And the fact that he did as well as he did last year is pretty impressive because he did not see a snap share north of 50% until week eight. So that's basically half a season where he had less than 50% snap share very low opportunity and he was extremely efficient with the volume that he did receive. So I see him improving drastically in his second season. Me too, man. Me too. I'm hyped. I am a Lions fan. Now he loses Matthew Stafford and that loss is something that cannot be put into stats and numbers and metrics, but they do, they do replace him with Jared Goff who's serviceable at, at worst. And they draft Penny Sewell at the, at the sixth spot in the draft or the seventh spot. Um, so 
Oh, they have the most vacated targets in the league. It's it's north of 300. 360 targets are vacated in Detroit. Like there is stuff up for grabs. Even if everybody else shows out and has their still their career year, I don't see how DeAndre Swift doesn't get 100 yards. I'm gonna let Bradley talk on him for a little bit because I know how high he is. Um, but wouldn't our lives be easier if Kansas City had just taken DeAndre Swift to pick 32? Oh, like how much easier would fantasy football be? You'd be uh, like him and JT would rule the world. There'd be no more discussion. Cam Akers and Gibson and, and Dobbins and Cle- they would all be at least distant second and third. Um, but yeah, talk to me about Swift and the coordinator there, Brett. Yeah, I, Anthony Lynn produces top ten running backs. Now, if you go in in history, his most of the time his, he has one running back that's top ten. Now, when individuals get injured he makes it work though right there's there was a season there where melvin gordon and austin eckler were both viable melvin gordon was top 15 austin eckler was i i believe a low-end rb2 at that point but you think about he was 20 is that 21 or 12 12 rb12 i see one finger and two fingers but they look he was rb20 rb21 (laughs) so you you think about okay well they bring in jamal williams on a two-year deal who is a very serviceable running back so what is anthony lynn gonna look at and he's talked up jamal williams quite a bit so it's starting to get people to think like oh my god what are they gonna do are they limiting deandre swift's touches is he gonna be a third down guy blah 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 DeAndre, there's no way as much as I like Jamal Williams as an NFL prospect or an NFL player, there's no way he is relegating DeAndre Swift off the field. I can't see it happening. Now, I could see a situation where maybe they put DeAndre Swift in more of that Alvin Kamara type role where he sees maybe 13 carries a game, but he sees a ton of receptions and Jamal Williams gets some carries. So if you're looking at 30 carries, maybe Jamal Williams gets 16 or 17. DeAndre Swift gets 12 or 13, but he's getting the large majority, if not all of the targets. So maybe that's what that breakdown looks like. And it's very similar to that Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler role that you saw in uh, Sandy or in, uh, I think they were LA at that point. Uh, but I think that's a potential, but the upside for this guy is astronomical. It is astronomical because he can do everything for you. So I love that. I love the pick. He's one of my favorite running backs yeah, out man. right now in the cornerstone rankings period. You talk about the Camara role and that's more conducive to longevity as well, which is that's basically what we're talking about with these cornerstones. And I don't know if you guys have seen, but there is some rumors that, Todd Gurley could be going to Detroit too. So if he does sign, I think that could make a lot of people freak out and want to sell Swift. As stupid as that may be, you got to go see if you can buy him right now, especially if Gurley goes there. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. I think what you're seeing is that they don't have enough weapons, right? And so Swift is, he's only going to leave the field if, if they're trying to either protect him for longevity because the game's over or if he needs a break. Because he will just play any any spot, man, any spot. He he'll be lined up out wide a ton, kind of like they did with Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler was lined up out wide as a wide receiver, like thirty percent of the snaps he was on the field. I, I read that today. I was like, holy crap, how's that even a thing? Now they'll put him in motion, get him in the backfield and stuff. But that's where he started. So I think that's what you're seeing with with Swift, where they're going to have to throw somebody off. That's why they're talking about an A and B, and they're bringing in Gurley. Uh, up next, Brad takes another running back, and he is extremely high on him. Bradley, who you got? Yeah, this may be odd because there are other running backs, and I know people are probably higher than this guy, but I love me some Cam Akers, running back for the Los Angeles Rams. I'm buying the hype. I'm buying the hype that Sean McVay says this guy is a workhorse. They drafted the guy in the second round. I loved him coming out of Florida State. He's got the all-around skill set. He doesn't have to leave the field. Now, argument is, well, Darrell Henderson, he's going to eat into his touches. Okay, cool. Let's, Let's talk a little bit about this. Even if Darrell Henderson gets the same number of carries that he got last year, Guess who's not in town anymore? Malcolm Brown, who had 101 carries. Let's assume those go to Cam Akers. Now he's looking at 246 carries, four and a half yards a clip. He's getting 1,200 yards. 
He's going to get 1,200 yards if he gets that workload that I think and that Sean McVay, I believe, wants to give him. And if you're getting that kind of 250-some-odd carries, there is a very good chance that you're in that 7 to 10 touchdown range. Uh, he gives you some reception upside or, or passing upside as well uh, because he has a really good skill set in that. He's a good pass blocker. There's no reason to pull him off the field on third down. And I love the addition of Matt Stafford. Now, I wonder, you know, Matt Stafford's never been the guy that kind of checks down to the running back. So we'll see kind of how that works. There were some seasons where you got some good plays out of guys like Theo Riddick and stuff like that. I don't, that's not Cam Akers' skill set, obviously, but you do see some tendencies where Matt Stafford will target the running back a little bit. So I'm hoping that that carries over into this offense and he is not afraid to do that if he needs to, instead of just chucking the ball down the, down the field to Cooper Cup or Tyler Higbee or whoever the case, Robert Woods, whatever the case is. So I love Cam Akers and getting him at 111 for me is, is and, and a guy super young as well. I mean, he's three years younger than Najee Harris for crying out loud. So I love that as well. Yeah. We saw in week 14, he get, he got up 29 carries, 171 yards, uh, did not score a touchdown. And then we see in the playoffs, he gets 28 carries, 131 yards and does score a touchdown. Um, injuries were a concern. They're concerned with every running back. So we can pitch and hold that for a second, but he had 14 targets last season. He had 145 rushing attempts. We expect that to go up by about 100. He had 14 targets. So Matthew Stafford does use satellite backs. That is a thing, right? But he would much prefer to take the chunk play, as I think any quarterback in the NFL would much prefer to just get a touchdown now than to check it down. Cam Akers' talent um, is undeniable. Garrett, is there any fear that Sean McVay tries to learn his lesson, quote-unquote, with Todd Gurley and kind of curves Cam Akers' um, touches or or usage on any given week especially if the if the game's out of hand or do you think it's all hands on deck let's go get the win i think if you want to hear the other side of the argument you got to talk to our boy brian right <laughs> <laughs> he hates no, him man. hates him i like acres i think he's he's very solid i think he's gonna be probably a back end one next year maybe a high end two that rams offense should be really really good and I don't see a lot of downside. You could say that the pass catching isn't there, but he can do it. You saw it at Florida State. So he's someone that the hype may be a little bit out of control, though. So I'm, I'm not necessarily going out and buying him right now, but I do like Cam Akers a lot. No doubt. Uh, no doubt. Yeah, you can go back to listen to Brian's rant at Brian GM on Twitter. He'll be happy to ex explain himself. He uses a lot of metrics. I think it's easy to follow his train of thought. Those people that simply don't want to hear it, are just truthers. And you know what? That's what makes this game fun because we're going to find out on Sundays in the coming season. And it, who do you bet on? You bet You bet for him. You bet against him. You know, um, we get to find out. We get to find out. Cam Akers, though, is a nice pick. We're here at the 12th pick, and I decided to dip my toes back into the wide receiver position, and I took my wide receiver two. Uh, actually, I think he's three or four because there's no denying DK and AJB. I went with C.D. Lamb. Uh, who got drafted by the Cowboys. Now, we saw in weeks one through four, I mean, he's never less than, than 10 points. He, he's getting seven to nine targets. He's getting upwards of 100 yards. Scored two touchdowns in week four. After Dak's injury, he flutters a little bit. That's to be expected when you have a, a trio of quarterbacks coming in, the best of which is Andy Dalton. Now, he does end the season with 111 targets. I like that from a rookie. Uh, caught 74 of them, just, just shy of 1,000 yards and five touchdowns. He ends up with wide receiver 22 in PPR leagues, wide receiver 20 in standard leagues. That's a fantastic rookie year without your starting quarterback. Going into year two, he played predominantly in the slot. I think that's going to continue. Uh, they have two tight ends there in Jarwin and Schultz, who I think will vulture each other, but neither one of is – it's not Kyle Pitts, right? It's not that big of a threat. They'll use their tight end. Gallup may or may not be on his way out, and Amari Cooper is the alpha, and I don't think that hurts CD because we just saw this with, with Thielen – and uh, Justin Jefferson, and we see it with DK because Tyler Lockett, whether we like it as football fans or not, he is the alpha out there in Seattle. They have a love joy for him, and they try and get him the ball. So you see a lot of people come up. We see Calvin Ridley taking over after Julio Jones, and I think this is lined up for CeeDee Lamb to take over. Plus, I don't see how I don't get six or seven years of elite production. So why don't you guys talk to me about CeeDee Lamb? If I'm too high, too low, what's up? 
I think he might be a little low, to be honest. I mean, if you look at his games with Dak Prescott on that pace, he was on pace to be the wide receiver eight. So you talk about Justin Jefferson, he was on pace to be right up there with him. And he's on a, I'm going to, I believe he's on a better offense with a better quarterback. Now there are more comp, there's more competition for targets, but I, I love CD lamb and I I did not feel this way about him coming into the draft last year. So I was 100% wrong about him. Just like I'm probably going to be on Jamar chase, but the guy's undeniably talented and he's tied to Dak Prescott and that offense for the foreseeable future. And if you think about it next year, there's a good chance Amari Cooper's gone. So you're looking at even more targets off of him. So I, I think there's a chance that he is just a monster for many years to come. How about you, Garrett? You a fan? Too high, too low? Yeah, I've liked him since his days at Oklahoma. And I was actually watching film on Kyler Murray, our 101. And the guy who caught my eye, even as great as Kyler is, the guy who really caught my eye when I was watching that tape against Alabama was CeeDee Lamb, man. He's a special talent. And I think he's only going to improve from here. We haven't seen two wide receivers as talented as Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb come out and produce like that as rookies since maybe Odell Beckham. So I'm very high on him. Isn't it great when you are against a guy and you're wrong? Like that might sound it. silly, but I love it. Nothing, all of us root for these guys. Like if everybody could score 500 fantasy points, we would just go for it. That would be the best year ever. So um, I'll tell you, AJ Brown was off my list. I was a DK guy. So I got bailed out. Right. Uh, Joe Burrow was off my list. Damn. Yeah. He looks like he belongs. So I may have got bailed out by a knee injury, but I I'm never happier than when I think a guy's dust and he shows out. Like if T Y Hilton finishes wide receiver 14 or above, I'm going to love it. I'm going to love it, man, because, because everyone's written him off and there's something to be said. Uh, That's part of the beauty of the community. So let's move on here. That, that concludes the first round. I'll give it real quick. Kyler Herbert Lawrence, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf. I, I throw in Trey Lance there to break it up. Jonathan Taylor goes at the seventh spot. That's how good these last three classes are. Joe Burrow at eight, Justin Jefferson, followed by DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, rounded out by CeeDee Lamb. Uh, I think we all like our teams here. We'll put up a Twitter poll and see who wins this thing at the end. Uh, the 201, Garrett, kick us off. We're going to pick up the pace just a little bit uh, to get through the second round. But who you got at 201? All right, 201, I got Najee Harris. He's my number three cornerstone running back. Um, I think I'm the highest on him out of our whole staff. The two arguments that I hear against him is that he's old and that he's slow. And I don't know that the age matters too much because he's getting that five-year contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers with Mike Tomlin, who loves using those workhorse running backs. He can catch passes. He's big. He's strong, physical. And a guy that size should not be as nimble, as swift, and as elusive as he is. He's, he's a special talent. He reminds me a lot of Matt Forte. He's someone that I'm loving getting in, in every league that I can. I think you brought up a great point there about the age because we really want three years of top 12 production, right, out of any running back that you draft. Anything on top of that is gravy, and then you're getting a generational. People like to throw that word around. Really, you're just getting into a Hall of Fame caliber player when they start doing it five, six, seven times. A lot of that has to do with scheme. Now, are you worried at all about Pittsburgh Steelers' offensive line as it is without question deteriorating? And are you worried about the history of the Steelers being ground and pound all centered around Le'Veon Bell and we can both agree that Najee Harris is not the same talent level as Le'Veon Bell proved himself to be. Uh, are those concerns for you at all? Because we know volume's there. It's not a bad pick. We know his age isn't really a concern, but the, the Steelers, are they a problem? I don't think the Steelers are a problem. Sure, their offensive line is below average for sure, to say the least. But Big Ben, man, what is he's like a corpse of Big Ben back there. His arm is limp. He's going to be dumping it off to Najee a ton. The dude is an incredible receiver. If you guys, if you guys don't understand just how great of a receiver Najee Harris is, I suggest you go and watch some of his college highlights because he is a special, special receiver. He is over six feet tall. I think six foot one or six foot two. So I mean. The guy can line up in the slot. He can line up out wide. They're going to use him all kinds of ways, and I think he'll be efficient enough. He's a surefire RB1 for me, year one. 
Yeah, we were talking about it's the NBA playoff times, people, right? And I was telling my girl who just looks at me when I talk for hours about Aiton and how they took him over Luka Doncic. And I said, that was crazy. And I said, but look at the kid. And she looks up at the screen and goes, is that him? I'm like, yeah, he fits the billing, right? Najee Harris fits the billing. You know who the starting running back for the Steelers are when they jog out of the tunnel, whether they have pads on or not. Uh, the 202, Brad, hit me with the 202. I think he may have slipped a little bit too far. These cornerstones are fun because I don't think anybody swung and missed. Yeah, he really, he really did. Uh, I mean, I've seen this guy go super high and super flex drafts alone. And we're talking about Kyle Pitts tight end for the Atlanta Falcons. I am not a fan of tight ends this high because it takes some time to progress. And so many of them don't pan out. It's the hit rate is not very good, but this guy's taken higher than any tight end in NFL history in the draft by the Atlanta Falcons. So then you talk about, okay, well, what's his opportunity? They got Julio, they got Calvin Ridley. Russell Gage is really good. However, we hear all these rumblings about Julio Jones leaving town. So let's assume that this happens. Even if it doesn't, he's getting at a minimum 88 targets that Hayden Hurst got last year. Minimum. And with a guy of Kyle Pitts's talent, he's going to turn that into some serious production. But now we talk about Julio Jones leaving town. If Julio Jones leaves town in the few games that he played because he did, he did lose, a, uh, let's see, nine games that he played out of the 16 he had 68 targets. That's 156 targets that could be up for grabs because Hayden Hurst ain't taking those targets away from Kyle Pitts. Now, Kyle Pitts is not getting 156 targets in his rookie season. I don't see that. But you see a tight end getting 120 targets, 125 targets with his caliber yards after the catch and his build and his power, his ability to get himself open and Matt Ryan in that offense, I think it's money. It's absolute money. Yeah, man, you can hear Kyle Pitts love anywhere, okay, on every podcast. It's all anybody wants to talk about. And just going through some of the guys above him, Cam Akers, Swift, um, you know, DK, A.J. Brown, you try and trade them for Kyle Pitts and anything on top, and you're probably going to get a no, man. People love this kid, and this is a tight end premium, and it's a cornerstone ranking. And those guys are just listed, CeeDee Lamb, uh, Jefferson, DK, AJ Brown, all of them, 125 targets. That's what you're looking at, 129. So you give that to Kyle Pitts. It was a nightmare matchup. He feels like a smash play, man. Uh, I'm going to move on here to my pick at 203. I snagged Antonio Gibson. What I really did here is I snagged the running back for Scott Turner because I don't think you can go wrong with one of the Turner guys. The system is too good. Um, I'm going to let you guys tear me up because I'm very high on Antonio Gibson. I have him right behind Jonathan Taylor. Now, he had 33 rushes in college, okay? So we don't know how he's going to translate to the NFL. His pass protection is nullified because he doesn't really know where to go. Right. He can get in the way. He's like 6'2, 220, uh, sub 4, 440. But um, when he's on the field with the ball in his hands, he's a threat to take it to the house. He's electric as all get out. We saw that if anybody watches on Thanksgiving, there was no way not to see it. Um, they get a perceived upgrade at running back. I mean, at quarterback, they add in a couple other weapons. Uh, J.D. McKissick, I don't even think is that good, but that's Scott Turner making him on your mat. Now he's on your radar. You know his name, whereas he was cut by the Detroit Lions that season. So, I don't think there's a lot of threat. Jarrett Patterson's interesting for short yardage, but it's his Antonio Gibson's team. They, he cannot be game scripted out because of his receiving chops and the defense is great. So they'll be trying to chuck it down late too. So um, we're going to start with Brad and then go to Garrett. What's up with Gibson and how crazy am I? No, I love it. I love it because you see a guy who produced big time in his rookie season. The guy finished as R the RB 13. And that was on the back of not very many receptions. You know, he's looking at 44 targets. You, he is a receiver. Like that's what he was in college. So this guy is going to see more targets. Once he figures out pass protection, JD McKissick is not taking all of those targets away from him in the next year or two. So you see now an RB eight, RB seven, RB six finish for the guy. When you add another 15, 20, 25 targets to the guy. So I think it, I think the sky is the limit for Antonio Gibson. And we talked pre-show. What'd you say? It's not, it's within the realm of possibility. This guy's RB one. 
because he's yeah. got the upside for both rushing and receiving. That's my belief. Garrett, how you feeling and rolling into your next pick? Yeah, I mean, he absolutely does have that upside. It's just a matter of how many targets he's going to get for me because McKissick is still there, and they did just get Curtis Samuel, which they'd like to use him in a little bit of a backfield-type role. So I don't know if the, the number one overall type season is going to be this next year, but long-term, I really love Antonio Gibson. You hear Rivera comparing him to CMC, and it's warranted, man. The guy runs a 4.39 at 228, so he's a stud, absolutely. So right after that, I'm going to keep it going with the running backs, and I'm going to take J.K. Dobbins. I think that Baltimore offense as a whole is going to be much improved next year with Bateman coming in with Sammy Watkins, say what you will about him. He's a decent wide receiver three for sure. And then you got Marquise Brown and Talon Wallace is pretty underrated as well. And that's on top of Mark Andrews. So I think it's going to be a very good offense. I think Dobbins is going to get more volume than he got last year. And I think he's going to get a ton of touchdowns. So I'm, I'm big on JK Dobbins. How many touchdowns do you think J.K. can get, Brad? How many touchdowns do you think he can get? Now, we know he's going to get Vulture from Lamar, but we saw Mark Ingram do it. How many touchdowns? I, I think it's very feasible. So I expect Lamar Jackson to take a step forward. The more that I look into it, I think he's going to be better this year. And I think that's going to provide more opportunity for J.K. Dobbins to score in the red zone. The dude is dynamic. So I think it is well within the, the possibility – that he's in that 10, 11, 12 touchdown range. Maybe that's crazy, but that's where I could see him landing uh, if he if he stays healthy and plays the whole season. No doubt. Now, the Baltimore Ravens last year ran the ball 555 times. That is 34 more times than the Tennessee Titans, and we know they have Derrick Henry. Now, they got Lamar Jackson eating up a lot, 1,000 yards, 11, 1,200, something like that. They ran the ball for 3,071 yards. You got J.K. Dobbins getting well north of five yards a clip. You got Gus Edwards getting more than five yards a clip for his career. Um, things are set up well for J.K. Dobbins. And if you are in a half point, he still got some receptions last year. And to Brad's point, I think that it's going to – things are going to open up as Lamar settles in and knows he doesn't have to take everything to the house and he tries to learn the quarterback position. But – um, if you're not in PPR, you're in half PPR standard. I think J.K. Dobbins is the next Derrick Henry with a little receiving upside to, to neutralize it out, man. I think that's what we're looking at. We're looking, we talk about the Steelers being historic. The Ravens are currently setting history. Um, up next here, we got Bradley at the 205. Snags a quarterback that probably went too low, but we're going to say that about a lot of guys down here at the bottom of the list. Yeah, I'm going Justin Fields, quarterback for the Chicago Bears, moved up, jumped a couple teams, drafted him. I think he's going to start week one, but that's not what we're going to talk about right now. We're going to talk about a guy who in just eight games, his junior season at Ohio State, was on track to put a better season together than he did his sophomore. So you look at him building. He was on track to throw for more touchdowns. He was on track to throw for more yards. He did have some interception issues, right? Particularly that game against Indiana was, was really bad. So you saw some tendencies that could get coached out of him, but you hope that Matt Nagy and his offensive mind can help out with some of those things. He's got an alpha wide receiver in Allen Robinson and you, what you hope, especially if I'm Justin Fields, I'm hoping I get the opportunity to come in, play with him and work with him to get him to want to come back under contract next year because Allen Robinson's working under the franchise tag. So you hope that he can come in, he can show up. But this dude was my QB2 coming out of the out of the draft this year, right right next to uh, Trevor Lawrence. And, and if you listen in, you hear Sammy talk about him and how good he was all the way from high school. And you see that progression into college. So shout out, shout out to at Samuel underscore Gordon. Go back and take a listen to that because he had some really good points around tracking the arm talent from his, his high school days all the way up through now. So I'm going Justin Fields quarterback for the, the Chicago Bears. Yeah, number two prospect coming out of high school right behind Trevor Lawrence. He chooses to go to Georgia, who thinks that Jake Fromm is the answer. Now, they had some success there, but I think that they're going to regret that in the end, right? Um, Justin Fields coming out was supposed to be number two. He drops to the 10th spot. Is there any concern for you, Garrett, about Justin Fields' it's limited amount of starts, more so the game against Indiana, Northwestern, and then Alabama? I mean, he only had eight starts last year, and that's three of them that were suspect. And is there any concern about the Chicago Bears just ruining him? Um, or 
Uh, is, is the talent going to win out, man? I mean, some of these guys have to bust, right? I love Justin Fields. Don't get me wrong. He's a great talent. But how many quarterbacks went in the top 15 picks of the NFL draft this year? Five, right? Historically, even if three of those guys hit, that would be pretty high. That would be a little bit higher than average. So I think at least two of these guys are going to bust. It's just a matter of which two guys. Chicago, it's a, it's a decent landing spot. It's not my favorite. I'm not a big fan of Nagy, but I think he could very well pan out. Yeah, dude. Uh, next up, man, Jamar Chase, who I actually did select over Justin Fields in a recent rookie draft, for better or for worse. Now, team, that's team dependent, but I think Jamar Chase is set up for success. Uh, we we talked about Joe Burrow already. We know they have T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. All the roles are defined. Jamar Chase is just a simple act of talent's going to win out, and he he's an alpha. He's an alpha through and through. We could talk about play on the field, but just him and how he carries himself and how he acts and how he responds to questions. He lives and breathes being the man on the football team. Uh, 1780 off 84 catches, 20 touchdowns. We all know the story. The connection here to Joe Burrow uh, for the life of his career, I mean, is, is something that we're going to be talking about year in and year out. Okay. It's going to be like Cutler had Marshall, um, Dalton had AJ Green, and they were in the Bengals. Uh, there's a there's a lot of things we we have Peyton Manning when they finally drafted Reggie Wayne. There's a there's a lot of connections where the quarterback and receivers grow together, and because they have such a connection already coming out, in fact they throw the ball 40 times. I don't see Jamar Chase falling out of the top 15 um, any season. He's healthy. Um, so let's start with Garrett. How do you feel about Jamar Chase as a prospect? Um, and is there anybody lower on the list that you would take over him? He's a consensus number one wide receiver this year. He's one of the better wide receiver prospects to come out in recent years. I'd honestly, I think talent-wise, he's very comparable to Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb. You saw him outperform Justin Jefferson when they were on the same team. So I think this is actually a very good value that you got. All right, man. Uh, talk to me about your next pick because I know Brad have a lot to say, but he picks his teammate at eight. So at 207, who'd you snag? All right. At 207, I took Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who was the consensus number one slash number two last year. I think the fantasy community did him a major disservice, putting him above some guys like Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift even. But I think he's getting a little bit too much hate, and I think he's a good buy right now. The I never I don't see him ever really reaching that Alvin Kamara 70 reception season but he did only get 36 receptions last year. So I think that's going to, going to increase. And he was very efficient with the receptions that he did get. So I think 8.2 yards per reception, number seven in the NFL. He's very shifty in space. I like Clyde. Yeah, man, being connected to Patrick Mahomes for five years, being drafted in the first round where you know you get the fifth-year option, um, them letting um, Williams, one of the Williams go, right? Le'Veon Bell not being re-signed. Darwin Thompson and Daryl Williams being his threat. Everything points to Clyde having a, just a fantastic floor. He's capped a little bit by too. the... What? Sorry, they improved the offensive line too. They did. They did. They got some spectacular tackles, which was a big problem for them in the Super Bowl, and Clyde still averaged 7.1 yards a carry, which I know because I tried to use as a selling point to flip him into Jonathan Taylor. So, yeah, <laughs> it's a thing. Um, his upside is a little bit capped, like you said, by the receptions because Patrick Mahomes is going to go deep to Tyreek Hill or hit Kelsey for 15, 20 yards. That's going to be a constant. Uh, but the floor is secure as all get out. So, Brad, tell me your thoughts real quick and roll this into the 208 so we can get these listeners out of here. Yeah, I've been a little low on Clyde, even even throughout his five or six game stretch at the beginning of the season where he was a, a you know a top 12, top 15 running back. I I understand the tie to Patrick Mahomes. I do, but receptions are king right now that you kind of need that unless you're going to get just enormous rushing volume like Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb type volume. You need those receptions to be top 10 and Clyde. We, you guys just talked about, it. I don't know that he's going to be able to get those receptions to put him in the top 10 on a consistent basis. So that's my concern with him. No so, doubt, man, you let into it a little bit, right? You talked about Jamar Chase, the pick before this. You said, well, you know what? I'm not going to let Brad talk about Jamar Chase because he took his teammate at 208 and you moved on. So I took T. Higgins, wide receiver for the sense, the alpha <laughs> wide receiver 
for the Cincinnati Bengals at 208. This may be hot, but guess what? I can take it. I got a little flame retardant suit on right now. I can take the heat, and I love every second of it. I got a guy who, as a rookie, had damn near just as many targets as Justin Jefferson did, and he played with three different quarterbacks. He didn't get to play with Kirk Cousins all season long. He didn't get to play beside a true alpha wide receiver in Adam Thielen and a star running back in Dalvin Cook. He played behind Joe Mixon for four or five games, and then Joe Mixon went out. He played behind a subpar offensive line where quarterbacks had no time to throw, and he still put together an excellent rookie wide receiver season, 108 targets, 108. So now let's talk about what, or I'm sorry, 100, yeah, 108 targets. So now let's talk about what the ceiling could look like. So how many targets are going away from the Cincinnati Bengals? You're losing 104 from A.J. Green. You're losing 59 from Giovanni Bernard. So let's just assume those goes to the wide receivers, right? You got 160-something targets. I'm telling you right now, Jamar Chase ain't getting 160 targets. That, that shit ain't happening. Tyler Boyd is a hundred target guy. His maximum was two years ago when AJ Brent or AJ green missed the entire season. And he was 148, the 110 targets that he got last year was his second highest total in his entire career outside of uh, first, the, the highest outside of that 148 when AJ green was out. So he's losing targets. He's not going to be a 110 target guy. He's going to be an 80 target guy. So now you're talking about 180 vacated targets. That's a lot. That's enough to sustain Jamar Chase and T Higgins. So the question is, where does Joe Burrow's tendencies lay? He had an excellent season with Jamar Chase. 1,700 some odd yards, double digit. Double digit doesn't even bring to light the actual fucking craziness that that season had. Cause I believe it was like 17 or some crazy shit like that. Right. I believe in T Higgins. I believe T Higgins is the down the field threat. I believe T Higgins is going to be the red zone threat. And I think he is going to establish his dominance in that offense. He started to show it last year and I think he's going to build on it. I see a guy who can be over a thousand yards and double digit touchdowns in T Higgins. He had six in his rookie season and you got to think that's a COVID year. He didn't get all the time. So I love T Higgins. I'm going to stop ranting about him. He's my fucking guy. If you can't tell. And I love getting him at the two Oh eight. They had to talk me out of taking this fool earlier. So I'm just it was throwing a very that short discussion. Too. Okay. To be <laughs> it fair, was basically, no, you're not going to, it, was, it was, you wouldn't actually do that in real life. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I've been, trying <laughs> to uh, yeah. we're looking at teams that put up two top 10 guys, right? Um, we saw Antonio Brown and Juju do it in 2018, 2019. Cooper cup was four. Robert Woods was 14. So pretty close. Uh, in 2020, we just watched the Vikings do it with Adam Thielen at 10 and Justin Jefferson at six. I think that's what you're hoping for here. I think that's what you're hoping for here. Um, and there's something to be said for that. That was a very long rant on why T Higgins is viable. And at the 208, I think that's viable. fine. Get out of here with but that. There are people behind him that I still know that you, you would not select over, but, uh, we're going to move on to the 209. Garrett, you got anything to tell Bradley? No, no, we can keep him moving. All right. We're going to go to the 209. <laughs> I picked Tua Tungavaloa. Uh, everybody was tanking for Tua. He plays for the dolphins. He's coming off the broken hip, um, in and out of the lineup. He goes six and three in his starts, but we saw 11 touchdowns and two picks till the final week when he throws three more. There's been a lot of talk about what they were going to do with Tua in Miami. They draft a wide receiver out of, out of Alabama, reconnect him with that. They do not address the running game. The defense is good. I think they're going to go ahead and rely on him to win the games. Uh, and I'm going to bet on the talent, man. I'm very high on Tua Tungvaloa. I think this is a huge bounce back. I mean, when we saw him play at Alabama, he was dominant. Then he breaks his hip, then he's going to sit out. Then there's no OTAs, then there's COVID, then there's Fitzpatrick starting. Then he gets the start and it's kind of rocks the locker room. He's not used to that. Well, at this point, it's just him. Everybody's bought in. They got weapons and Waddle and Fuller and uh, Devonta Parker. They got Kasicki there. They add Hunter Long. Don't sleep on him. Their running backs are pass catchers as well, and none of them are dominant enough to just wear out the game. So to what 209 seems like a cornerstone kind of pick. Uh, Garrett, talk to me about it, and then tell me your next pick. I like the pick. I wouldn't go there myself. I'm not a huge Tua guy, but I can't argue with that. He's a young guy. He just got an insane, just 
group of weapons around him. I love Jalen Waddle. I love the college connection that they have. So I could see him taking a big step forward next year. I don't hate it at all. And the next pick is Zach Wilson, who I've heard referred to as the next Drew Locke multiple times on this podcast. I got to put an end to that blasphemy. I mean, the man put up 33 touchdowns, three interceptions last year with a 73.5 completion percentage. He had a historic, historic college season. I know that the competition wasn't the best, but I like what they're doing in New York. They got the new coaching staff. Gase is gone. They got the Shanahan and LaFleur coaching tree coming in there. And I think he can do some really good things. They got Elijah Moore. They got Corey Davis. They got... Denzel Mims, Chris Herndon even is a nice little sleeper. Michael Carter, a good receiving back. So I think Zach Wilson can be successful. I've heard a lot about the weapons there, and I still don't see a true alpha. I see a lot of really good NFL weapons. Uh, Zach Wilson's got his he's got his work cut out for him. Now, Mikael Becton, who's the left tackle, he's the best player on the team. So he does have protection on the blind side. We know the kid, Zach, can just throw it on a dime at any arm angle. So we're not worried about arm talent. We're worried about develop. Robert Sala is a, he's a defensive guy. So he's going to get you together and he's going to motivate you in a different kind of way. But you're really leaning on Mike LaFleur. Now, when Matt LaFleur got hired after coaching for Shanahan and McVay and he goes to the Packers, I thought that's ridiculous. He's been made good because Aaron Rodgers is great. But Matt wanted to take Mike with him. And Mike said no and stayed with Kyle. So we get to see if Mike LaFleur fits the billing. Um, I think he will. I just don't think he has enough to work with. That being said, the number two overall pick in the NFL draft going to a team that doesn't play defense in a shaky division at best that's aging out. Yeah, dude. Yeah, he, he fits the bill. Zach Wilson's your cup of tea, and you get him at the 210 in these cornerstone rankings. Yeah, I think that fits. Uh, Brad at 211, get us, get us out of here, man. Yeah, you're starting to dig a little bit here, but I love being able to dig for this guy. Javonta Williams, the running back for Denver Broncos, is stepping into an excellent situation where next year he is the only guy because Melvin Gordon is an unrestricted free agent. That system is great for Javonta Williams' skill set. The guy can run. He can pass block. He can catch. He can do what Melvin Gordon did last year plus. And when you think about it, Melvin Gordon had a really good, good and serviceable season for you at top 15 running back. I believe he's 14 in PPR. So when you look at this, you're looking at a guy who can do everything on an offense with a ton of opportunity. And I love that. He was one of my favorite people in the draft coming out this year. So I loved getting Javonta Williams at the 211. Garrett, what are your thoughts on Javonta? Is there anybody on this list you would have vaulted above him? It's hard to say if I would have taken anyone above him. I can't argue with the pick, though. I have him a little bit ahead of Travis Etienne, who I know you love, and he's a solid prospect himself. But Javante Williams, man, I think he's just going to be the workhorse there in Denver for the next four years easily. He's a great pass catcher. He's extremely physical, hard to bring down on first contact. I'm a big fan of Javante. No doubt, man. And Travis Etienne would be my pick at the 212. Okay, drafting the first round, connected with his with his coach, uh, I'm sorry, with his quarterback out there in Jacksonville, we just saw James Robinson, God rest his soul, man. He finished RB7. So Travis Etienne, it, his upside is very high in years going forward. Um, but I got talked out of this by Andrew Jacques. So I'm going to talk to you about Terry McLaurin, scary Terry, man, out there in Washington. <laughs> now they do add some weapons. Okay, they do. They add Curtis Samuel, right? Um, they have pass catching backs. They add Ryan Fitzpatrick as the quarterback. I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick is everything he's it's caught up to be right, but he's sure as hell better than Dwayne Haskins. Okay. We saw what Kyle Allen could do. Terry McLaurin last year had 134 targets caught 87 of them for North of 1100 yards. The problem here is four touchdowns. Well, all you need to do is give him the ball in space and he will score the touchdowns. And now with that quarterback upgrade, at least perceived, from Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, I think he takes a step forward. Worst case, he's going to have the same kind of year. Worst case, he's going to get 130-plus targets. That puts you in the wide receiver one discussion. He's got the kind of speed and wheels, and at six foot two ten, he's not going to just get beat out on 50-50s and stuff. He's got the chance to take anything to the house, and you add on top of that, he's 25, so people think he's old. He's two years outside of his prime. 
These are cornerstones. You're going to get four or five years of Terry McLaurin, who other corners, Pro Bowl corners in the NFL are like, dude, he is tough to cover. He is tough to cover. He is a pro-ready wide receiver coming out of college without a breakout age, which I love that because it throws player profiler for a loop. And uh, that it's a love joy of mine. So Terry McLaurin with Ryan Fitzpatrick, because I don't think Curtis Samuel is going to eat into his workload. I think it's going to help. I don't think Logan Thomas is really that big of a threat. I think they're all serviceable enough to help. Uh, move the offense and give them more chances to score. And as much as I love Antonio Gibson, he can't catch them all. So Terry McLaurin, north of 130 targets, north of 1,100 yards, get that touchdowns up to like 10, 8 to 10, and we're talking about a top 10 guy for years and years and years to come. All right, man, um, Travis Etienne does not make this list. That's going to hurt my That's gonna hurt my soul for years and years or days or minutes. Who knows? We're going to get y'all out of here. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to check us out. www.fffair.com. We are your fantasy affairians. This is the fantasy football, fantasy football affair podcast. I'm your host, of course, at Eric Burkholder six joined by Bradley Stickler at FF bourbon dude. And our very special guest, Garrett Vienna, writer of the ride or die series done a ton of analytics for us. One of our best rankers, at FF Goldmine on Twitter. Be sure to check him out. Also, some shout outs Matt, Matt Riser at Matty Daddy 2652. Andrew Jacques, who had a little guest appearance, and we're going to get to talk to him Monday. He is at McLovin FF Affair. Britt Sanders, who does rookie on the rise, that's at the FF Sandman. Brian Craighead at VandyGrad92. He does our DFS, our start sits, our bumps or bruises articles. Uh, he's got his own pod coming. It's going to be fantastic. Johnny Slokes at Johnny Slokes, always on the website design. Quinn Kusky and Sam Gordon are both parts of the Hot by Happy Hour. We just got to talk to Sam. We will talk to Quinn next Thursday. That is at Quinn underscore Kusky with a C at Samuel underscore Gordon. Uh, thank you all for, for listening. Don't forget to listen, rate, and review anywhere and everywhere you get your podcast, guys. Thanks. Cheers. Later. Peace.